From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of what you need to know this midterm election year. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, JR. It's been a minute. Good to be back with you. How's it going today? Pretty good. Okay, so a lot has happened since Labor Day and the week before. So let's start out with the governor's race. Some have looked at the ratings of conservative businessman Tim Michaels and incumbent Democratic Governor Tony Evers and Democratic President Joe Biden compared to four years ago when it was sort of flipped with Republican incumbent Governor Scott Walker challenged by Evers with former President Donald Trump in office. Do you see any parallels from four years ago and what's different? Well, some of the parallels are you have two incumbent presidents who are not terribly popular right now. Now, President Trump in 2018, go back and look at the Marquette University Law School poll, by late October, he had gotten to kind of the upper 40s for his job approval rating among Wisconsin voters. So he wasn't that big of a drag by late October, though he, he wasn't a huge help at the time. Biden, his numbers aren't ticking up as significantly as yet. I mean, there's still some time, uh, but they're still in the low for it. The last Marquette poll was uh, 40%. We'll see a new Marquette poll on Wednesday this week. So we'll see if there's any improvement there for him. But he's not been a huge help so far. The difference from four years ago is while usually, usually you see the party in power in the White House struggle because it becomes a referendum on the incumbent president, um, the election could also be a referendum on abortion. It is really driving some things. I've talked to a number of Republicans who've told me they're seeing signs in their polling that this is definitely a powerful issue. Now, it's partly a powerful issue, um, in part because it's concerns about things like inflation are still there. They're not going away, but they're not as kind of urgent right now. We've seen gas prices recede. So abortion is really kind of taken off as a, a big issue. What I'm wondering is where are we at come late October? Are we still talking about abortion late October? Are gas prices down low? They are now. Are they higher? What else is going on? Are there any kind of like October surprise? There are all kinds of things that could happen between now and November, but it looks very much like abortion is going to be a driving issue in 2022. And you don't really have that kind of an issue in, in 2018 to help the party in power in the White House, Republicans back then, kind of stave off that challenging environment you usually see in midterm elections. So looking at that issue, the Journal Sentinel recently uh, checked out Michael's charitable giving and found that he supported anti-LGBTQ and anti-abortion causes. Some groups he donated to even opposed access to contraception. Michaels says that his donations are a reflection of his religious values, and then he commented on conservative talk radio that his supporters should, quote, be ready to get out on the streets with pitchforks and torches with how low the liberal media has become. How could that impact the race? Well, we're already seeing it in TV ads. Um, The Democratic Governors Association has an affiliate organization that started a new TV ad last week that goes after Michaels for some of those donations to a group because... One group that the Family Foundation gave to tracks cell phone data of women near abortion clinics and sends them information trying to persuade them on that group's position. The ad likens that to an ankle bracelet, and the kind of the, the cut line from that spot is that Michael only wants to criminalize abortion. He wants to treat women like criminals. You know, you're seeing that become this. He's tying the donations into the abortion issue in a way that can be quite powerful. 
to try and drive a narrative about Tim Michaels as an extremist when it comes to abortion. That's that's where I'm watching things like that. How is it playing TV ads? Where do you see the message that voters are seeing when they tune in to watch TV? And for his part, Michaels is attacking Evers on crime and education. Governor Evers made news by pledging to call for nearly $2 billion in increase in funding for public schools in the 2023-25 budget if he's reelected. What's Evers' strategy at this point in the campaign, and what's Michael's? Well, you know, Evers wants to paint Michael's as an extremist, out of touch on things like abortion, wants to tout um, his record, his investments in education, kind of all the things that he says are done that are good. You know, he's going to have different messages for different groups, right? For some Democrats, he's going to pitch himself as kind of this this roadblock for a Republican majority in both houses of the legislature to do all these things that he says would be bad. And that could be a big motivator for Democrats, right? Republicans are trying to tag Evers and take away the Evers advantage on education, I should say, because he was state superintendent. They're going to point to various studies and various test score numbers to try and say Wisconsin is not doing as well as it should. The Republican Governors Association has a new ad out as well. It hits Evers on his education record, says it includes things like transgender videos for kindergartners and books that make white kids feel guilty just for being white. You know, trying to play in some of these issues that have uh, become drivers for certain segments of the Republican base as well as some parents. So you're seeing them kind of the, dig into these issues, turn it into TV ads and try and drive people in the environment that we're in. Okay, so moving on to the U.S. Senate race, it's incumbent Republican Ron Johnson and Democratic Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Last Monday, Barnes didn't appear in Milwaukee to celebrate Labor Day with Joe Biden and Governor Tony Evers. Barnes said his priorities were in Racine, taking groceries to striking workers. Is Barnes distancing himself from Evers and Biden, and is that strategy working? Well, definitely keeping the president at arm's length. Governor Evers went to the rally, spoke on the stage. You know, Barnes was at Labor Fest in Milwaukee, just not the same time that Biden was or didn't overlap with his event to go to his rally. You know, I asked people about that all last week to see what they thought. And the takeaway for me is that the average voter probably doesn't care if Mandela Barnes is on stage with, with Joe Biden or not or attending his rally or not. They probably don't aren't going to be really that in tune to whether Barnes is engaging the media fully or if he's trying to kind of campaign, trying to keep him shielded from reporters a little bit. It's more that drives a narrative for the chattering classes to talk about the fact that he didn't go to see Biden. And he's not talking to reporters as much as maybe some other candidates are. Um, it raises the question for them, well, what are they, what's the strategy? Are they trying to shield him from reporters to avoid some kind of you know embarrassing answer to a question? Are they trying to shape his image to be, you know, be somebody who's a moderate, you know, from blue-collar background? What are they, what's the the, the strategy. And really, it kind of matters what do voters see in Barnes. They see a moderate. They see somebody they see as you know, liberal extremist, as Ron Johnson calls him. Uh, you're seeing all these ads now that are trying to paint Barnes as somebody who's extreme on crime, uh, wants to eliminate cash bail, you know, all these kinds of things that he's a dangerous, dangerous Democrat. It's kind of the tagline for him now. That's what they're going to try and define him. It's, it's going to be incumbent upon Barnes to try and push back on that. We will see again that Marquette poll this coming week, if these attack ads are starting to move voters or at least change the numbers on Barnes to drive up his negatives. Interesting. Okay. Well, there was some other news this week, which is that former Wisconsin Justice Daniel Kelly officially announced that he's running again for a spot on the bench 
for the state Supreme Court. It's a race that will determine the ideological balance of that court. He lost a 2020 campaign to keep his seat after being appointed by former Governor Scott Walker in 2016. Was this expected, and what should people pay attention to with that race? Oh, it's been coming for a long time. We knew he was going to get in. It's a question of when. The big things are at stake are really huge issues. I mean, conservatives have a fourth majority of the Supreme Court right now. Some conservatives feel it's not really a solid majority because Brian Hagedorn has sided with liberal justices on the court on some high-profile issues. But still, if it's a true 4-3 liberal majority, then you're talking about the prospect of having a lawsuit before the Supreme Court on whether abortion should be legal in Wisconsin based on the Wisconsin Constitution. Remember, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, uh, but there's still a state constitution. Do we have a right to privacy in the state constitution of Wisconsin? Is that a question? Would that possibly supersede that 1849 ban that's on the books right now? Redistricting. Um, you know, we've obviously seen the federal courts shy away from weighing in on redistricting law- lawsuits, our partisan gerrymandering, saying there's no role for the federal courts in a partisan gerrymandering case. We have not seen the state Supreme Court weigh in on that question. Is there something in the Wisconsin Constitution that says you can't do a partisan gerrymander? I don't know. But you could see cases like that go for the state Supreme Court and get a better reception if you have a court that has a liberal majority rather than one that's constituted right now. So there's huge stakes for that race next year. And some of the legal decisions that came out in the past, in the recent days, have been a decision about voting in Wisconsin, a federal judge ordered that Wisconsin voters with disabilities can get help returning their ballots, despite a state court ruling that a voter had to return his or her own ballot. What was the Wisconsin Election Commission's guidance about that, and do you expect any additional developments? Well, the federal judge gave the commission a deadline to issue guidance that was consistent with his ruling, that these voters are guaranteed help when they either they turn it in person or via the mail. The guidance the commission eventually adopted says there is no requirement that if you return a ballot for somebody in person at a local clerk, that you have to show an ID to do it. There's no requirement that you attest either mailing the ballot back or returning it in person that you are helping the person because he or she is disabled. There were some Republican efforts or efforts by Republican appointees on the commission to have some kind of like certification process involved. That was rejected uh, and they proved this Uh, guidance with no limit on the number of ballots you can return for those who are disabled. Now, the question is, will there be any more court action on that issue? Um, The conservative Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, for example, sued over the use of drop boxes for absentee ballots. That's where this whole kind of issue originated from that lower court ruling that went to the Supreme Court. Will had advocated for some kind of certification process in this assistance for disabled voters. Will that group say, okay, hey, we're not happy with the commission's guidance and decide to go to court. We'll see. Have to keep an eye on that. But that's definitely something to kind of keep watching to see if any more rule changes happen with how elections are missed in Wisconsin so close to an election. And another issue that came out close to an election is a Waukesha trial judge ordered election clerks not to fill in missing information on witness certification envelopes that contain absentee ballots. How was that a win for Republicans who are looking to tighten restrictions on absentee voting? Well, this guidance came down in 2016, not really noticed a whole lot. But in 2020, with the surge in absentee voting, it became an issue because Republicans complained that clerks were curing these ballots, uh, especially in Democratic areas, when they shouldn't have been. They they argued that only the voter 
can fix an error with an absentee ballot. Um, two questions that I have. One, how big a deal is this going to be in 2022? One, we have um, seen that people are voting absentee less frequently than they were before. Basically, you know, concerns about COVID are starting to die down somewhat or died down a bit, quite a bit since 2020. People are going back to quote unquote normal, i.e. turning out at the polls to vote. So maybe it's not as big a deal. There aren't as many ballots cast absentee. Number two, those who are voting absentee have done it now several elections in a row. Are they becoming more proficient at getting everything done correctly so there aren't any missing information from their, from their witness in the absentee ballot? So I'm not sure how big a deal that um, issue is going to be for 2022. Secondly, what's going to happen with the court case? Uh, the judge in that case denied a motion from the bench to stay his decision, but set a hearing for Tuesday to hear arguments about that. Will this issue go back for the state Supreme Court? There could be another change before the November election. And, you know, poor clerks in Wisconsin are trying to figure out how to run things <laughs> with all these court cases going on. New guidance coming down. They're trying to figure out, okay, what am I supposed to do? So the faster they can get that done, the more clarity for the guidance they have, the better off these clerks trying to miss the election. All right. As always, thanks for the insights, JR. And thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross of WizPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments every Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.